welcome, business geeks. This is a little bit different of an intro than we usually have here on the Business Geeks podcast because of the situation, developments that have happened in the world in the last not even 24 hours ago. <laughs> I woke up to the news and that, like, I guess around midnight, I saw people started to post on Facebook that, you know, Ukraine had been invaded. And obviously, it's a developing fluid situation that's been happening throughout the day. And while I've been able to keep up a little bit with some of the developments, it is absolutely horrible. And the three of us decided that we should open the show talking a little bit about it and the human side, the human aspect of what is occurring here, because obviously, it's affecting all of us in different ways. And yeah, so uh, Sam, would you like to take over there? Choked up already. So we're not going to talk about it from the perspective of what's happening. I think it's just really important that we want to share that we, our hearts and prayers are going out to the people of the Ukraine and that, yeah, that's all I can say at the moment. I can't even imagine what they're going through and that's me done for a bit. (laughs) It's a heavy day and we've had quite a few heavy days the past couple of years, but war is is something, you know, it wreaks so much devastation. And unfortunately, the most innocent people get the worst part of that devastation. So like Sam said, I can't imagine what these families must be going through. It's just devastating. It's just worth acknowledging it. I hope they feel the people of Ukraine feel our thoughts and, and prayers and for whatever that's worth, you know, it's we're not unaffected by it. But we are certainly not dealing with what they're dealing with on any level. So, oh, it just sucks. Yeah, it's big. And yeah. yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, no words can help really make, you know, make up for what, what's happening right now and what's to come in the, in the coming days here. Can uh, I just you- also say, though, I think it's the people of Russia as well. We talk about Russia being this big thing and they're invading, but I saw some posts on social media last night of people in the Ukraine and the comments from people in Russia just saying, we're so sorry, we are not behind this, this has nothing to do with us, this is out of our hands as the people. And so I think they're going through a lot as well in a very different way, but I think that we need to keep the people of the Ukraine and also understand that there are people in Russia that are greatly affected by this and have the feeling of it out of their hands as well. So I just wanted to say that. Good point. You know, can I add on top of that, that, you know, a lot of this is a a lot of mirror looking as an American and going back to 2002, 2003 with the invasions of Afghanistan and maybe more specifically Iraq and the things that happened in, in those days kind of very similarly eerily resonating and it is good to see that there's people that are willing to stand up and you know say something especially in russia where you know things are not that simple to just have your voice be heard Mm. so you know for and again that's all for what it's worth but it, it is absolutely disheartening to see this happen happen today absolutely so with all that said, Chris, thank you for joining us here. It's good good to see you. For anyone who doesn't know, Chris was on Shark Tank, not too back on the Christmas episode of last year. 
okay. uh, with his, uh, yeah, the Santa's Enchanted Mailbox. Oh, awesome. A lot of fun. That yes, awesome. that's the, the better way. <laughs> there's a better way to maybe turn the tide here. And, and what's up, Dre? It's good to see you in the comments as well. And uh, A. Patel said, uh, before the show even started, I appreciate all your videos. Big fan inspired me, me into a baby product. I will be coming out Ooh. soon, which is absolutely awesome to Yay. hear. Oh, uh, nice. uh, yeah, that is awesome. That is uh, one of the things that you know doing this show enables to inspire people all over the world and that's awesome to hear it might be the first person to go and create a product based around my show so that would be uh or inspired because of my show so i am honored to be able to help you in that journey and let me know if there's anything i can do to help you with that so okay so we had a couple of articles but to you know if you have any questions you're watching and you're trying to figure something out in your business. That is one of the reasons that we're here. So feel free to drop your questions in the chat as we go through a couple. We have a couple of topics, have a couple of story time, story times with Joe to tell from the last couple of days and looking to get all your input, both of your input, as well as, you know, you in the comments watching live or watching at home from businessgeekspodcast.com. Because of the intro, I didn't get to introduce my, you know, the two co-hosts here, Samantha Riley of samanthariley.global and Jennifer mm-hmm. Crawford of sparent.co and Locutus is in the house. What is going on? And yeah, so uh, well, the first bit of news was that I wanted to bring up. Let me share my screen. Oh, actually, let me unshare my screen real quick because you were both saying that you could hear yourselves. Well, actually, there's a good reason for that was because there's a video that I want to share that I'll just reshare it again later. So the first article was uh, food and drink prices are going up. CEOs say consumers aren't changing their shopping behavior yet. It's a big word yet. Mm -hmm. It's a small word yet. Big word. Talking about food and beverage giants say consumers aren't balking yet at paying more for their Lay's chips and Tyson chicken nuggets. But those comments preceded the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which has already led to surging prices for oil and gas, metals and grains. Walmart said earlier this month that consumers are aware of rising prices, but haven't yet changed their behavior. Sam, I'm curious, is this something that's happening down in Australia as well? Has nobody decided to change their behaviors yet? Maybe buy less, buy cheaper, buy different brands or things of that nature? I actually don't know what people's shopping behaviors are like because I'm not in that industry, but I certainly know that prices are going up. Like Inflation is upon us. It is. It is. So, I mean, has your shopping, as an Australian, in Australia, has your shopping habits changed at all? Have you started to look cheaper? No, they haven't. I'm just paying more. So I guess I am one of the people that they're talking about in the article. My habits haven't changed yet. But I guess once we see interest rates rise, that's when you'll see, that's when I anticipate that we'll see some big changes in in shopping habits because our interest rates are so low. So How about you, Jen? Has uh, your and Thor's uh, shopping habits changed at all? I can't say that I have, but I, you know, I think it's the, the pan of water is on the stove and it's getting hot. I just think, you know, people haven't gotten to that breaking point yet. We have to eat, 
right? Like, you know, that's our last comfort in this like crazy world that we're living in. Like we have to have our food and our comfort food. So I think this is my guess. So is that people are grumbling privately, but they're not, you know, they're not changing their shopping behaviors yet. But I think as other prices start to increase gas and utilities and and some of our, our basic needs start getting more and more expensive. I think, you know, the extreme couponing will be upon us. But I think right now we're just kind of victims of circumstance. And, you know, there's not much we can do at the moment or, or the, not much that we're willing to do. But yeah, it's going to be a rocky year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, when I think about it, I've been kind of thinking about this in a different way, right? Because when we look at, according to like what I was reading from like Forbes and some other sites, you know, they're like, oh yeah, 2022 is not going to be the year of the recession. That might be 2023. If not, it will most likely be 2024 and 2025 for that said recession. Now, the way I see it, And maybe I don't have the numbers to back this up, but my theory is that if you already are getting people, because like Chipotle, and we're going to talk about Chipotle later, but so it leads right on into it. You look at like a company like Chipotle where they're like, hey, you know, our costs have gone up maybe in an insignificant amount throughout this whole thing. But we've just continued to raise prices because people continue to pay them. So why not? Right. So what I'm wondering is, is this an opportunity to get away from the cheap goods that are made overseas. Is this the potential? Because if people are already getting used to like paying more, now obviously there's going to be an even bigger jump when you start getting that point, but because of the shipping costs and things that have, you know, costed a ridiculous, or costed, cost a ridiculous amount in jump to ship things from say China or other parts of the world into specifically here into the States. I don't know you know, down in in Australia, but is this that opportunity to grab and run with the bag of, we're going to bring things back to, you know, being made in America, maybe even Mexico slash Canada, maybe, because at least you're not shipping things across the, you know, the water. But is this an, I see this as an opportunity. I already thought, and I could be wrong, but I already thought that that was starting to happen when we couldn't get things from China. You know, going back at the start of COVID, things started to to slow down. I thought that this was, you know, the beginning of bringing things back to being locally made. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I just it just occurred to me. I don't know why I didn't think about this. When you're asking if I changed my habits at all, this is less related to the inflation, but. For instance, my sister lives in the Dallas area, and she was saying that her grocery store shelves are pretty bare, like it's hard to get some things. And, you know, the rumblings of the supply chain issues, uh, we don't seem to be having a big problem in our area with the grocery stores. But I've been hearing people say, oh, you know, you should maybe like establish relationships with your local farmer. And So Thor and I did do that. We established a relationship with a local farmer, local to our house in the mountains, where there are a lot of farms and for meats and produce. And one, they, they, you know, they both raise both meat and vegetables, you know, with ethical practices, with care and sustainability with the land in mind. So we felt really good about this relationship and also that we have like a reliable source of food if there are any sort of hiccups in the food supply chain in the future. So 
that's one thing we did that I guess is a sort of a, a byproduct of this awareness, feeling a little vulnerable mm-hmm. with everything that's been going on. That's a good shift that I don't think probably enough people do or even necessarily think about. I know we have a farm up the street from our house and whenever possible, we buy things from there. Not They don't do food. They do like shrubs and plants and that kind of thing. So like whenever possible, we try to buy stuff from there rather than buy it from like Home Depot or a big box store because we want to make sure that the stuff we're getting keeps um, the, you know, that farm from selling so that more houses don't get built in our community. But because, you know, it's already the school, like the whole school system. I think mean, it's a whole rabbit hole to jump down. But yeah, ultimately, like helps support that local farm and helps keep houses out and, you know, all the things that go along with it. Having more open space there rather than more neighborhoods and that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot to be, lot to be said for that. Uh, and Tim said we have the manufacturing capacity to go back to, uh, made in the USA mindset. However, that manufacturing is done by mm-hmm. robots, which, yeah, I mean, look, there's, that's, uh, I think we've talked about that here on the show in the past about things being superseded by robots uh, mm-hmm. in lots and lots and lots of industries. And I'm honestly surprised it hasn't happened even more than it already has because of, you know, quality control and and things. I think, you know, part of that is because people, well, people like people still. (laughs) We haven't completely gotten away from, you know, being blanket, you know, blanked out about the human effect on being able to pay somebody. But, But that goes back to what I was saying about, you know, increasing those costs, right, by manufacturing in the U.S. and having that opportunity to say... Yeah, we're already used to paying these increased prices. Wages are going to increase. It's not necessarily going to come back down. Housing will probably come back down, but not come back down to what they were prior. Just Mm. come back down out of the insane, which somebody sent me a video last night. There was a house in Raleigh that went for sale for under $300,000. And the traffic line to see the house, it was literally out the neighborhood with people just like part, like literally just parking their cars and just walking to get to the house to see it and waiting. Which means it wouldn't have gone for that price anyway, because with that many people, that would have absolutely, there would have been a bidding war. So exactly. exactly. Good marketing. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, that's the thing is you, and you get people, I mean, that's what the whole, like post it on eBay and put it up for a dollar because it's only a dollar, you know, but then you get people invested and feeling, you know, like they're getting something for it. And then next thing you know, it's not a dollar anymore. It's, the price it was going to go for anyway. In the first place, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, Lucia says in London, a micro flat oh. uh, just sold for 80% above its asking oh my price. Goodness. See, that's we're all part insane. of the problem here, right? And, and, and that's, <laughs> that's the thing. It's like we all have to eat too, but we're all part of the problem because we keep paying for these increased prices. And, you know, and look, I'm not against that if. If that's the band-aid to get us to like manufacture more, even just more things in our own countries, right? More locally, you know, it's going to hurt a lot of people. But, you know, in the long term, it, it means we have less, you know, reliability on these other countries that may or may not have our best interests at heart, you know? Uh, and that's the, you know, 
that's the thing we have to weigh every single day. Mm, mm. So, yeah. So I kind of feel like we're at a band-aid. You know, we're getting close to a band-aid thing here. But we also might be on the verge of a recession, which mm-hmm. would probably put a hurting on that. So, yeah. Yeah. So speaking, we were talking earlier about Chipotle, right? That came up in the conversation because they're charging more and more price. You know, the prices are increasing, yet they have not shown any signs of having increased costs to justify increased prices it's just like yeah people are paying it so what the hey we'll just keep increasing the price until people come, stop coming in well <laughs> today i was at the shop at the uh at the repair shop with ava because she uh was sick and so she you know it's like a daddy daughter half day together we stopped at the repair shop saw my dad and we're doing doing things at the, at the business and I was like, you know what? I kind of want you they just put a Chipotle in like not that long ago down the street. So I think I want to go and, you know, go and check that out. Right. It would be maybe it would be fun to go and do so. So we go. So I look it up online to see what the hours are because it's kind of early still. And this Chipotle is apparently not recommended. <laughs> <laughs> very much not recommended in fact what was it one of the reviews uh, maybe it was on yelp and i know we don't we are not fans of yelp on the show but one of the reviews was like i love chipotle i hate this chipotle <laughs> because it is apparently the absolute worst i don't know if it's the worst in the country but apparently it's that bad according to not one not two but many even this one understaffed but not sure what two of the employees were doing other than walking around and talking before before one finally started making a burrito for a pickup order. Yeah, not good. So I was looking at this, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I was hoping to pop in and grab one before I had to be home to pick up Dom from getting off the bus. But even just a week ago, the reviews of this Chipotle are sadly correct. I've gotten food here twice, and both times I felt sick afterwards. I get the same order at a different Chipotle locations and I'm fine. I don't think it's a coincidence. If you're in the area and want a burrito bowl, go to Pancheros, which is right across the street uh, <laughs> or, or just another Chipotle location. So what do you do in this situation? Like, I know what the answer is, but I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are, Sam and Jen. How do you correct course when it's clearly way worse than probably every other Chipotle out there. And there's a lot. There's quite a few Chipotles out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, Chipotle, you know, has a model that, you know, for the most part works. It's not working in this location because they're not adhering to, I mean, this to me from glancing and reading through the comments is a staffing, like a hiring issue. They want Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people, the people they have are not well-trained or, you know, maybe not even into the job because they're short staffed. I have a feeling the staff that are there are probably, not having the best time at their job. So I think there's a combination of factors at play here that, you know, are taking this this business down a very dark one-star path. Um, one-star path. One-star path. A lone star path, if you will. A lone star path, yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously they need to get, you know, you know, they need to, to come up with a better hiring and training strategy but i like a lot of restaurants you know it's hard to find people right now to fill these types of jobs people are choosing to do other things not you know those these low wage jobs many of which will be replaced by robots because people don't want to work those crappy jobs anymore so i think a lot of things are at play here 
clearly they have problems. Mm-hmm. They have earned these one-star reviews. Yeah, but- it looks like their one-star reviews are way more uh, consistent than their staff are. Just from reading these, reading these, if I was Chipotle as a company and I'd seen, like, what is that, 174 reviews? I've never seen from that many reviews a 1.6 you know, stand. I I've never. I didn't know I, I didn't it was possible. <laughs> I didn't go. I, I went no, I wouldn't have I gone either. <laughs> which is exactly why, if I was Chipotle, I would be getting some of the executives in there and fixing yeah. that and sorting yeah. it out. Like yeah. putting your head in the sand here is not a smart move. Yeah, and and maybe even consider sh- shutting it down, <laughs> at least temporarily, until they can figure it out. And you said it was a new location. So relatively new. Yeah. Like in the last, I think I would say in the last two years, maybe a year it was put up. Yeah. I mean, if you're risking, you know, public health and safety at this point, because you don't have food safety, you know, your best food safety routine in place, you know, may need to shut it down and do a a hiring fair and get corporate like Sam said involved Mm. and whip it into shape and have somebody from corporate stay there for a while and, and make sure. But this is really damaging. I mean, it's really damaging to their brand. But I mean, from a public safety perspective, I think we have to look at it from that lens as well. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's really it's sad because I, I actually was like, oh, you know, I haven't gotten a chance to eat at that Chipotle yet. Let me let me go look it up, see if it's open. Oh, God, no, I'm not going there. Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will not. I will not be feeling well by the time we get to do the Business Geeks podcast, and yeah. that'll be not no bueno. So and you'd be on the phone <laughs> with customer service in no time. Yeah. Well, no, well see, no Joe, there was an opportunity for you right there. Mm-hmm. They were waiting for your call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speak. You say that, and literally. So last week I had, uh, or two weeks ago, because it's been two weeks. We had I had internet issues, right? We were I was and I still am dealing with those internet issues, though I haven't run into that problem just quite yet. But as you said that, waiting for a call, the Comcast truck is just pulled up out in front of my house. So (laughs) (laughs) of course. I am in contact with corporate over this issue. That's Uh how bad it is. Corporate. Yeah. So okay. So that's that's a Chipotle mess. I have this other thing. So I was coming back from the Philadelphia Zoo, and I wasn't driving when I took this picture. My wife was driving. Or no. Was I driving? No, I wasn't driving. I don't I don't think I was driving. I think I had Matt take this picture. He was sitting next to me. And we were sitting in traffic either way. There was, you know, clearly there was a car. We were all, we weren't moving anywhere. But so this billboard caught my attention because of the fact, now I don't drink mostly alcohol in general, but Definitely not beer. And, but this ad caught my attention because more taste and only one more cow than Mick Ultra. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That's 10 words right there, real big and bold for the people listening at home. To me, this seems like such an easy problem to fix. Get rid of the one calorie, (laughs) shave it off, you know? (laughs) Shave that calorie off somehow. Find a way, right? And then you could say, you know, more taste than Mick Ultra. And let the calories speak for themselves, right? Being the same. That's how I feel about it. Plus, this is on a highway. So you're supposed to be doing, you know, 50, 60. Maybe maybe that's why they they didn't feel bad about putting 10 words on a billboard. Because they're like, eh, this highway is mostly congested anyway. So nobody's flying. Very rarely are people flying, you know, by it. 
it, what, it does seem you, a little desperate. It does seem a little desperate, doesn't it? it? Like, and and, and it, you're it, you're naming it, your your competitor mm-hmm. in the text. So you know, to me, I'm like I what I remember from that is you know the competitor name. I barely noticed mm-hmm. the you know the Miller Light can on the right because I don't have time to look at the can. I only have time to read the text. And so you're putting your competition, unless there's some sort of inside joke that I am not aware of, it seems really kind of a, like a strange billboard to me. It is sure. very weird. It is very weird. Yeah. It's just like, really, aren't we just saying more taste and it's light? Like, that's it, isn't it? But, well, see, Michelob Ultra, for anyone who doesn't know, it makes a big deal about their calorie count. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. being uh-huh. less than everybody else's and that's so they're playing off of that strategy of like oh we'll just piggyback on there you know on what they're saying but we're the better tasting one and you know i i don't really like to promote alcohol or beer or anything like that but i just thought that this was just to me look i guess it worked right it caught my attention so in some ways it worked but i just felt like this is not the way like it's it just seems like a weird way to do it. And like oh, this is an example of like those like sister ads, right? Where it's like you have an ad that plays off another ad. The we saw that over the illness, right? With with Ryan Reynolds, where they did Peloton did that commercial, like I guess right before the illness. Maybe it was like yeah, maybe it was like the end of twenty nineteen. And Ryan Reynolds, like in the same week that that ad first day, you know aired, he went and found the actress, and then they wrote an ad. To promote his whiskey line or his, I think it's gin, isn't it? A- gin, Aviated, it's gin. Aviated gin, I, don't know. I think. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and the quick turnaround to make like a sister response ad to their ad, and we've seen this with like Wendy's has done it, I believe, in the past. I think Burger King has done it as well, where they play off of something that's already popular, which makes sense. I mean, we see it especially during oh oh the good one was. Oh, uh, what was it? There was an ad for the Super Bowl that went black. Was it Volvo or something like that? I don't remember who. It wasn't mm-hmm. this year. This was a few years no, no, no. ago. And everybody like put like a black image up on their Twitter or they changed their something, like their profile picture or something like that. to so, like a black image, just the image of like just the color black. And so people are always like playing off of those ads from each other so i I think in some ways it makes sense but it just seems like a lot for an ad and as a billboard uh, to have to digest that when they're effective is when they're a little when they're clever when they're funny or when there's something that's really clever but this to me is just lazy yeah you know, there's a good, I have a good story about that. So I have a friend of mine used to work for the company that made clothing for G unit, which if you're familiar with G unit, either of you never heard no? of it. Oh, okay. G-Unit. All right. So like 50 cent. All right. We're familiar with 50 cent, right? Uh huh. He had his crew called G unit and G unit would make clothes. And this, as the story was told to me, like literally like years and years and years ago, at this like probably like 15 years ago at this point. They would make these really articulate shirts and designs, like like really like intricate patterns and stuff, and they would get shot down all the time. So finally, they were like, "F it, we're just gonna like write the you know G unit or put the G just all over the shirt, just just slap it together like and just go to lunch and come back and be like, that's genius." And it's like, well, we did this other things that were like really cool intricate patterns, 
intricate thought. Like there was like a lot into it versus just like, no, nah, no, nah, we're just going to splatter paint everywhere and boom, we're done. And this, this is this, you're right. I feel like that this is what it was. It was like, ah, you guys, like, we, we need to come up with something before lunch so we can go to lunch. <laughs> Let's go. You know, come on. Like, ah, was just, the obvious one is the way. And sometimes that is the case. It just, in this case, it just, to me, I'd be like, look, can we just get rid of the one calorie? Like, yeah. or if you're gonna, if you're gonna play with the calorie, maybe that's that one calorie is responsible for all the extra flavor. Like, maybe. You know, yeah, that's so clever, Jen. Exactly. You can be more, yeah, you can be more clever about it. Clever. That is it. So, yeah, that is, yeah, 100%. That's great. Oh, if Mila reach out to you, Jen, yeah. I'll, I'll be backing up that you're doing a really good job and they probably should give you some work. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely, absolutely should. So there was a question here by Little Min Min. I assume that's how you say it. That was, oh, how do you find trusting vendors? Which I don't know if either of you can want to speak on this at all. It's certainly not my expertise. So this is obviously something that we did a lot in the when we were in retail in, in our dancewear stores. And it is and it's changed a little bit, just remembering that when we were finding our vendors, there was no internet. Obviously, there was the internet over the course of the time that we had had our stores, but this is just purely about letting, you know, letting your fingers do the walking, letting your fingers do the Googling, finding these, finding the vendors and really building a relationship or opening it, starting by opening up a conversation. There's no shortcut to this. There's a lot of work in finding trusting vendors. And yeah, there's, I don't really have a lot more than that. It's just about research, building relationships, and following trails from what other people have said as well. Yeah, so I would totally agree. In fact, we were sitting, I actually walked in. I went to go take care of a couple of things. I come back with Ava, and my dad was actually sitting in a meeting with a potential vendor who you know wants to get his foot in the door and he used to work for a different company that we dealt with, you know, back in the day. And so he, you know, they know a lot of the same people and stuff like that. So to me, I think familiarity in the industry, getting to know the people, going out of your way to go to those conventions and those conferences, though. Oh, who was I just speaking with? Oh, Beth Fimbo from that. She was on Shark Tank. We did the Tank Talk the last Thursday, which we'll be doing another one uh, this upcoming Thursday. And she was on there with, with the busy baby, baby mat. And she was telling me that going to the ex, she went to one expo, I think it was in New York, and it was like almost a ghost town. And she's like, well, the big one of the year is coming up in Chicago. And she's like, I'm going to give that one a try. And if, you know, if hopefully people are, <laughs> hopefully people come to that one, right? But going out there, meeting with the people is, you know, relationships, it's trust and relationships, right? That's like really the foundation of business and being able to find those right people that are true to their word aren't. I mean, everyone might backstab you at some point. It very much has happened to us in our businesses when, you know, when things are great, everybody wants to be your friend. When things aren't great, you're like, you're nobody, right? You're, you're nothing to them. So, mm-hmm. but with that said, there are people that stuck by us when in the toughest of times in the, the truck parts company, when things were not going well at all. And they, and you know what? Those people got to see it at the table now while th- when things are getting better for, you know, if for the business. So, and he, even some of the people who were questionable, you know, they get potentially get a seat at the table as well. 
So going, you know, looking for, in this case, Little Midman was looking for clothing vendors, men and women. I said for materials for clothing, like cloth. Yes, like clothing sets and things. So I guess that means like actual, like finding mm-hmm. like complete sets. So, you know, I would go find out what's the expo to go to, you know, find out where people are going and, and go get a ticket and go, you know, talk to those vendors. You know, having those relationships and going to those expos was huge for us, you know, making those relationships with people, even the lower, the like the people lower on the ladder, because those people are going to eventually be up on the ladder somewhere else. And they probably aren't going to change industries, especially if it's a very niche industry that they know a lot about. Right. So mm-hmm. uh, getting to know as many people as you can, I think, is your best foot in the door for yeah. that. I Absolutely. think both of you gave excellent advice. And this is why I say that. I happened to catch a TikTok video recently, Ah! and it was uh, made by a woman who has uh, some sort of clothing line that has been successful, but she also spends a lot of time helping other small business owners get their own brand off the ground. But she was getting criticized for being a gatekeeper because she was not being as open about her manufacturers and her vendor information. And she shared that the reason that she didn't just give that information away is because it literally took her years of Mm -hmm. all of the things that you two mentioned, the relationship building that, you know, make, you know, ordering and realizing she made a bad call and like researching and picking up the phone and going out to factory floors and traveling and at her own time and expense. And she had to put in that time. And so she's reluctant to just give that information away, understandably. So anyway, I just remember that TikTok video. And essentially what she was saying was exactly what you two just, you know, gave out as advice. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's not a you know five minute task. It is definitely not. And I love that you mentioned that, Jen, because there is a lot of work that happens behind the scenes, a lot of relationship building. I guess the only one thing that I want to add is always trust your gut when you're talking with vendors and be very aware of your values and are they in alignment with the people that you're talking to. Um, I was just sharing with someone over dinner the other night that one of our original vendors, they had a sales rep that came in. Now, at the time, I was 20, you know, very young. You both know I'm very short, very petite. And the sales rep that came in was a white male in his, and I'm going to say probably 60s, who was very chauvinistic and did not want to speak to me and wanted to know who my boss was. And that particular vendor didn't get our money for about 10 years when their sales rep changed and someone came in and started that conversation again. So very much trust your gut and be in alignment with what's important to you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't, yeah, I totally, I can't agree more that that is uh, very much the case that you have to be your best advocate and you have to be willing to like, that's one of the reasons like you can't replace like a phone call or emails with like going out to dinner with these people and getting mm-hmm. the notes and, and watching like, how do they treat the wait staff? Right. Are they that person that's going to be really crappy to that wait staff? And they, little things like that you pick up on and you start to realize like who you want to work with, who you need to work with, even though you might not want to, but you at least know, right? Knowing is literally half the battle, if not more, because then you know who the backstabbers are going to be and also watch what people say to you because they're probably saying it to other people and mm-hmm. <laughs> cross-swapping, mm-hmm. 
you know, the talking. So I had to remind my dad about this all the time when, when he talks negatively about certain people. And I'm like, you do realize that these people, that this might be their boss, right? And they might like, you know, they had the power to just hit the switch. And like, all of a sudden you have a hard time now because you ran your mouth to the wrong person that you mm-hmm. didn't really know over the phone. So yeah, mm-hmm. just be mindful of things like that. Now we do have to wrap up early today, but I wanted to get this quick story in marketing out. So I am an unabashed fan of Kanye West and uh, oh, there you go, Meredith. You're absolutely right. One hundred percent. It sounds like picking a vendor is a lot like picking a date. It really is. Yeah, it, it really is. is. Yeah. And you and you might need a lot of them. <laughs> you uh-huh. know, always have more in your back pocket because you <laughs> never know when someone's going to say, "Oh yeah, this other company decided that they want to buy up all our stock," and like, "Yeah, sorry, we don't have anything for you." <laughs> Because that's a thing that'll happen, whether it's co-packing or in just getting stock. I've just remembered a really – if you haven't read Shoe Dog, which is the autobiography and it's behind me and I can't think of his Phil name, Knight. but the founder – thank you, Phil Knight, founder of Nike, Meredith. If you haven't read that book, read it because that book is all around how he built the relationships with his vendors. Mm-hmm. There's a bit of regression there. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> So for a while, like, so Tuesday morning, it's three o'clock in the morning. The last like four or five days, I'd woken up early, right? And because mostly because of the kids waking up and at like three o'clock, three thirty in the morning. And which is fine because I've actually been trying to wake up earlier and earlier and work like working to that progression of getting to like a four, four thirty, five o'clock in the morning thing. And we've talked about this on the show before about do you have to wake up at four o'clock in the morning to be successful? I don't think so, but right now in my life, it would be very helpful because of the kids waking up and having to get them ready for school and blah, 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 blah. So I think, you know, there's some benefits to it. I see a Facebook ad and the Facebook ad is for Kanye West's launch part or launch slash listening party streaming live from Miami at a, a handful of my IMAX theaters across the country. So I was like, oh, cool. Like it's, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning. So I'm like, all right, let me text Matt because I know Matt is a fan. He's not as much of a fan as I am, but he's a fan. He would go, right? Like, it, you know, it's it's a 30-minute drive or something to King of Prussia or to Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. Like, we could do it, right? We can make that happen. It starts at 9 o'clock at night. So there's tons of tickets because obviously it's like 3 o'clock in the morning. And not many people are up yet. He doesn't get back to me till later because I forgot he was off up. He overslept or he slept in that day. And so by the time I went to go buy tickets, because he, well, he said he wasn't going to go. By the time I went to go buy tickets, those both the, the two theaters closest to me were both sold out. New York, all sold out. So I was like, oh, let me check Baltimore because Baltimore is like an hour and a half away from me. So I checked Baltimore. Baltimore is not sold out. I buy a ticket. I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going by myself. I'm going to drive the hour and a half, go down to Baltimore and go see this show because I who knows if I'm ever going to, you know, if they're ever going to release it or I don't I don't even know what I'm signing up for. I just know he's going to be having a big old listening party in a stadium down in Miami and I get to go see it. So I go down. I drive down there. I get down there an hour early, eight o'clock. I get my large popcorn. I get my soda. The ticket was like 20 bucks or something like that. Get my soda. I uh, about 830. I walk into the theater. I'm the only one there. I'm the only person in the theater at that point. And I take this video and. This is what's playing, and apparently it started playing at 8 o'clock. Can you, you can hear that, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So that is what's playing for literally hours. Hours. Now, I didn't know this at the time because I, you know, I, just, I just got there. 
So, you know, I called Melissa and she, she thought something was wrong with my phone. Apparently, this is Kanye West's heartbeat. They hooked him up to, I guess, a heartbeat monitor and then played like a, with a microphone or whatever and played his heartbeat to that pulsing light for what ended up being a long, 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 long. It was very annoying. It was very, very, very annoying. So some people start filing in. I said, oh, where are you from? Like, oh, yeah, people came from like D.C. because all the D.C. theaters were sold out. But this one theater in Baltimore wasn't. So anyway, about, uh, I don't know, the show was supposed to start at 9. By like 9.05, somebody realizes that the show is streaming on his website and on YouTube. And I'm like, I drove an hour and a half each way (laughs) for something that's going to stream on YouTube. I could have sat in my home theater and watched by myself more comfortably because they didn't have like the reclining seats. They had the, the seats that go back and it was in my knees. So anyway, I was like, I told the people next to me, I was like, look, 9.30 comes, I'm leaving because the show didn't start at 9. 9.30 came, I got up. They're like, oh, you should go ask for a refund. I was like, nope, I'm just going to go home. I'm just, I just want to get, I just want to, you know, I got an hour and a half drive. I want to get home. It was already a stretch to be here. That show did not start until 10.40. So I am so glad <laughs> that I missed out on that and did not stay. And then I only got to watch maybe like 40 minutes of it before I finally passed out to go to sleep. But I was just so annoyed that like after all that, you know, because there was even the people that worked at the theater said I was here at 11 o'clock last night and did not know about this until I first walked in this morning and was told, oh, you know, we're going to be doing this show tonight. So nobody apparently knew. So, Joe, you're a a huge Kanye fan. How much has this affected your... I guess, fanage, <laughs> I don't know a word, of Kanye. Not not that much. Apparently, mm. there was a music, a sound engineer problem. This dude, like, really messed up or his team messed up. Somebody really messed up, and there was complications. That's why they didn't start. But, I, you know, so, I, and I've been there. I've done live events. You run into things like this, and when this is what you have, you have this beat playing, you know, your heartbeat playing, which is kind of, you know, in retrospect, kind of creepy because you don't know what he's doing at the time in which you're hearing the heartbeat. And then it was intermixed with this image with a UPC code there or whatever, a 3D barcode that you could go to and buy your $200 hoodie or your $100 t-shirt for the merch for the concert. Yeah. People were laughing like crazy in the, they're like, yeah, no way I'm, I'm doing that. So yeah, it has not affected it. I won't be driving to Baltimore, for that's for sure, to go and do a thing like this again. It was a really cool show. If you can go check it out, even just kind of like scrub through what they... It was basically a live music video for an hour and a half. Like and it, like with each song playing. I don't know if it was the whole song. I guess it, it was. The album's kind of long. So I don't know if it was the whole soundtrack. There's but. something I don't understand here. If there was a problem with that, why was it on YouTube? Why was it? Why was the show Look, on YouTube? I think I've missed something here. Like you said, it was on YouTube, and you could have been watching it at home at ten forty, or was it earlier? No, it started streaming earlier, but I didn't go to the website to know that until people around me were like, you know, messing around their phone and found it. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, wait, I was like, I drove an hour and a half to be here for something that's going to stream online for free. And I don't care about the price. The price is it's 20 bucks. It's irrelevant. That part's irrelevant. It, what's, what bothers me is the I went out of my way to be here to find out, you know, and the technical difficulties don't bother me either. That doesn't, if that happens, right? Like, 
as Meredith says here, prime example of trying to build suspense and hype but missing the mark. Would you feel the same way if you didn't know why it was late? No, I mean, look, every nobody expects a show to start right when it's supposed to start. You know, maybe it starts 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late, 15 minutes late. I don't know. But I wasn't waiting past 930 because I already knew that the show was probably going to be at least an hour to an hour and a half. And I still had an hour and a half drive on top of that. And I had to be up to get the kids ready for school, you know, and out the door in the morning. So it was already, like I said, it was already a stretch to be there to be home by like midnight. And when that clearly wasn't going to happen, it was like, all right, well, I just need to go because I'm not going to be. I mean, if I had started, it started at 1040, it went an hour and a half. Was that 1140, 11, so like midnight, like 1215, 1220, it probably got over. So then I would have had another hour and a half drive on top of that. So I wouldn't have been home to almost two o'clock. That's a problem because <laughs> then I'm not getting enough sleep, especially if one of the kids gets up at three o'clock in the morning. So, yeah. So, no, it doesn't affect, it doesn't change. It just, I'm not, I won't do that again. Yeah, I guess not. I won't drive down, you know, out of my way to do it. I wanted to do it. It would have been fun. It was cool. Like, all the people there were all Kanye fans, obviously. Kanye fans. Like, it would have been a cool experience. It would have been more cool if they had the reclining seats instead of somebody digging their seat, the back of their seat into my kneecaps. Yeah. yeah. So, you know. Well, Lesson Thank you learned. for sharing that experience with us, Super Joe. We appreciate it. Oh, you're, you're welcome, Jay. I, I can tell you appreciate it. <laughs> well, we're not going to go any further into it because we have to wrap <laughs> it up. I was like, what's she going to say next? <laughs> we have to wrap this up. We do have to wrap it up. I think Meredith, up, Meredith uh, and I are on the same page. <laughs> 2 a.m. plus kids, ouch. Yeah, it is. Uh-huh. It is an ouch. But, you know, I, want, I didn't know if it was a once a, you know, one time experience. I didn't know if it was even, I didn't know if it was just a listening party or it was an actual concert. I wasn't, I didn't know. I wasn't sure. So I'm like, oh, well, if it's a, if it's a concert, like it's an opportunity to see something and maybe be inspired. And yeah, it gave me some ideas, but yeah, it, it wasn't worth the drive, especially when I found out that it was going to stream live online for free. Anyway, you know what else streams live for online for free? This show, the Business Geeks podcast. Again, we send our love and thoughts and prayers and our words and our hearts are go out to everybody dealing in Ukraine and the country surrounding mm. Ukraine with taking in those people that are seeking refuge from the situation that is needlessly created over there. So I, you know, all of that to them. We are sponsored by yourpodcastconcierge.com. If you want to get a podcast and you want to get it up online, not to worry about the editing and the other things other than formulating ideas and then putting those ideas out into video or audio format, please go over to yourpodcastconcierge.com. See Leon. He is awesome. He does wonderful things. He does this show as well. Go and check him out. For Samantha Riley and for Jennifer Crawford, I'm Super Joe Pardo, and I hope you all have a better day than you had before we got here today. So thank you all, and take care. We'll see you in two weeks, Thursday, uh, 4 p.m., Eastern, uh, Friday, 8 a.m., uh, 8, 8 a.m., Australian Eastern Time, or Eastern Daylight Time, sorry. You got it. Whatever, you've got it. 8 a.m., just yeah. join us. 8 a.m., be here uh, for the Business Geeks. I'll be back next week, uh, Thursday, at some point, with a live stream as well. Take care, everybody. See Ciao. you then.